Hello, and welcome to the new episode of In Love With The Process. I am your host, Mike Petchy. How are you? What's new? Happy holidays. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Whatever it is that you celebrate. Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. Don't Kwanzaa. There's a little bit of Kwanzaa in there. Um, this is my favorite time of year because you get to hang out with your friends. You get to go eat a lot of heavy food, uh, have an excuse to drink at work, which is good. <laughs> Um, and uh, speaking of hanging out with close friends, uh, today's guest, we're very fortunate to have her. I think it took me probably three, four months to get her to sit across from me at this table. Uh, she is an incredibly talented photographer, uh, also a director of photography and director these days, Miss um, Heather McGrath. Hey. <laughs> Speaking of the microphone. Mm, hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, if you are a young photographer, if you are a little insecure about your work, if you have trouble charging for your services, uh, if you just want to be part of our little group, uh, this is the episode for you. So do yourself a favor. Uh, go pour yourself a beer. It's two o'clock in the afternoon, so it's it's okay. Go pour yourself a beer. Sit down. Put on those noise-canceling headphones. Relax and enjoy the new episode of In Love with the Process. Hi, Heather. Hey. Hey, Mike. I, I haven't seen you in so long. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's a problem in my life. Yeah. <laughs> the truth is, is I just recorded a whole version of this fucking podcast. <laughs> And the microphone didn't work on Heather, and it was perfect. And I'm just sitting across from her, hearing all these really great things. A lot of F-bombs. A lot of F-bombs that uh, I don't even want to show you guys. So we're just going <laughs> to do it all over again, and it'll it's be just, better. It'll it's be just going to happen again, though. Sorry. Yeah, it'll Not be Not sorry. You say fuck all Go you want. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah. This, <laughs> this show is rated R, Heather. Good. Um, so let's talk a little bit about you. Let's give the, the uh, listeners a bit of history on who you are. So uh, I like to describe your work as um, like beautifully cinematically. It's almost like a uh, like a still frame from a movie, but it's very embedded. It's very sort of doc style at the same time. So it's like the sort of cinematic beauty of stuff. Um, how did you get started? Where did you Where did you start? Um, so I started as an illustrator, mm -hmm. believe it or not, and I loved comic books. So I wanted to be a comic book artist. And for my 16th birthday, I asked for a computer and a scanner just to scan my drawings and learn how to color them in Photoshop because that's how the colorists did it. And I got into CalArts with the whole um, comic book illustration portfolio for oh, wow. graphic design, surprisingly. Because wow. I didn't know, I, I knew you made more money with graphic design and I, I didn't totally want to be a starving artist, you know, so... I figured I could still do everything in there and learn learn more curriculums or um, fundamental processes. And so I eventually got really bored of not drawing <laughs> in the classes. So I would sit in with my animation friends in their classes and I would go in their life drawing classes. And I just started like loving animation. And I talked to the teacher there and he was like, I wanted to switch into the animation program, but it's like harder to get into than Harvard. Yeah, that's crazy. So I already had one year there. They were like, look, if you could animate something and show it to us, and because you already have a good portfolio below you, 
you can switch into animation in your second year. So um, I guess me being a bit cocky and... No way. (laughs) Everyone was doing two-legged movements. So they would illustrate someone walking on two legs. I was like, fuck this. I'm going to do four legs. And I animated a lion walking (laughs) as my, can I get into this program? And I did it, and I got in. Oh, crazy. Yeah, and this was back in 2000, and then so I had that summer to like think about it, and and then I came in second year, and September 11th happened, Yeah. and I was freaked out, and I didn't know what the fuck was going to happen, and I was, I was paying for this college myself, too, so I don't come from money at all, so I was like freaking out, like, what am I doing? I don't even know what I'm doing. So I moved back to Boston, and I was a designer, mm-hmm. um, and... Uh, I took one class in photography in when I was a graphic design major. Yep. And I did not do well, but I did have great compositions. So that was cool. I just I just didn't think I was gonna be a photographer, so I didn't really put my all into it. Yeah, yeah. And but meanwhile, I had really bad skin. <laughs> and I would retouch all of the photos of me just to clear my skin in photos. <laughs> I love this story. <laughs> Even my senior portrait, I wouldn't pay for someone else to retouch it. I was like, no, I got this. And I like took one of their negatives and scanned it. And I just retouched my own picture. Oh, God. I did not look anything like that picture, too. And uh, I had a long-distance boyfriend when I was in college. So <laughs> for Valentine's Day, I made him a pinup calendar <laughs> of myself. <laughs> so, that, so wait, that's why you learned Photoshop? That's retouching? how I learned Photoshop and started to become a photographer because people were asking me, could I, you do this for me? Like this came out really good. <laughs> and then I moved back to Boston. I, I'm a craft designer. I meet this incredible makeup artist who just gets my foot in the door because mm-hmm. she knew my, my retouching skills. So I was retouching for photographers here at the age of 19 professionally. That's crazy. Yeah. And then, because I was also, like, taking pictures of us girlfriends, like, for our boyfriends for fun, I started, like, I, like, totally got into this in, like, scandalous photography. That was my foot in the door, in a way. <laughs> so what, you were doing, like, private pinup? You were doing, like... I, yeah, I guess people call it boudoir, or whatever the fuck that word is. I don't know how to say uh, it's like it. It's a fancy I don't way give for a fuck. female dick pics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, they're they're empowering. I'm Uh not going to lie. Like you Mm -hmm. feel really confident about yourself in that moment. So it was very powerful for me even as a growing up because I didn't know who I was yet. And I, I was still trying to figure out like, what is my form of femininity? Like I, I don't know. It was all weird, but it's a fascinating, yeah, it's a fascinating way to like, uh, really sort of examine who you are because Mm -hmm. when you start doing Photoshop work in general, no matter who it is, Mm -hmm. like half the time when I'm doing Photoshop work, I feel like I have to call them up and go, yeah, there's a mole on your left shoulder. Yeah. Are you you okay with this? See the doctor. Oh, that. (laughs) (laughs) It's because you're essentially like a digital dermatologist. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. So it's how I started and I was still doing Photoshop work at night and a graphic designer during the day. And my boss at the time was trying to be a model. She was an amazing graphic designer, but also gorgeous. And she, she asked me to take pictures of her and they came out really good. <laughs> and she was like, I'm like, not in a scandalous way, but like a commercial way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was like, by the way, um, we're going to be doing some layoffs soon. And I really think you should get into photography. You should probably consider going to Nisop or something. I was 21. <laughs> <laughs> so 
so I was like, yeah, fuck it. You know what? I'm going to do this. And I jumped in already knowing Photoshop and they just, I just knew it was a place to like get my skills down and learn actually how to light. Cause I was doing everything with natural light. Yeah. And I, I was a bit cocky there too. They were like, give me some assignments and I just wouldn't do them. I would just go take my own photos and turn those in. <laughs> you could, you could check with Dana Smith. I definitely did this in his editorial class. <laughs> I was a little bit of an asshole, but they were good and we would talk about them, you know? So I stuck with people who like kicked my ass pro yeah. photo wise and can talk to me and be like, I know you're cocky and I know like you're brave and you're going to go do this, but like, let's just make sure you're, let's reel it back and make sure you're doing all the right things. That's, you're really lucky to get that, you mm-hmm. know, and to find that, yeah. that it's almost, it's mentorship, even though it's through school, it's definitely still yeah. mentorship. Yeah. And if those, if Dana Smith and Steve Sheffield weren't my teachers, I don't think I would have stuck with the school. I just knew those two people were going to push me in all the right ways. And I was going to walk out of there with a lot of knowledge and a portfolio that was good. And I walked out of there and got work. Like immediately. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I was already doing, getting work post-wise. Um, I then moved to LA and uh-huh. Art Brewer was my mentor out there. Wow. He's, he's, he is the biggest action, like sports photographer. We were on like Quicksilver jobs and like all these cool sports, like uh, the whole surf industry. We worked with them and I'm still so grateful for mm. everything he taught me. And I started as his third assistant. And in like a couple months, I was his first assistant. That's crazy. I knocked out all the dudes too. So like, here's a girl walking in, knocking the dudes off the ranks. I'm fucking driving his giant like V8 Dodge extended cab, eight foot bed truck around with, and I loaded all the gear in and then there's art. Like I was like driving Miss Daisy around, but it was fucking awesome. He trusted me with everything. I, it does not surprise me. I don't think there's ever been a moment that I don't know you to just roll your sleeves up and jump in the mud to mm-hmm. whatever it is that you need to do. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes your work really good. I Thanks. Think, you know. Um, okay, so so then you come out and then you join. How long ago was this? This was like what two thousand. Oh, to, oh, Nisop or yeah, yeah. And then, oh, I graduated in two thousand six. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. and then I I moved back to LA that summer, and then I realized like LA is not for me and I moved back again. So I've moved to LA twice in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm a new England girl. I can't help it. There's just like this roughness and realness to me that I can't shake. I can't polish off enough. Yeah. But the thing that's interesting is that I think the time that you spent in LA really shows in your work though, Mm. because, uh, there is something about jumping in that pool, jumping in that larger pool and working Mm -hmm. with those guys. Um, and I think a lot of those little, I taught, it taught me so much. Yeah. Like professional, huge crews. Yeah. Huge. It honestly, he taught me everything that was able to come back here and be even more fearless because he taught me how to manage clients, how to manage a big production over multiple locations and how to fucking nail the shot. And we were shooting film then. Yeah. Yeah. He fucking blew my mind with how precise he was with motion. It was amazing. That's and, crazy. Yeah. We were doing both. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But th- yeah. I mean, that whole mindset. Yeah. Of being like, okay, I got 12 in the camera right now. Right. Let's Nail it. This, let's make this work. Yep. You know? Yep. I've got a bunch and of And I got two of assistants rolling film, handing it to me, loading it. Go, 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 go. Yeah. Sometimes it was four by five. It was wow. fucking awesome. 
Wow. I really miss four by five. I just miss slowing down and you have one fucking chance. Exactly. And you can't recreate it because by the time that film's developed, you know, everything's away. Yeah. I mean, the, the modern way of doing it, which is like super high shutter stuff and then you just... Oh, you spray and pray. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and in a way, it's like, it's good for the client because no matter what, they're going to get a shot. But I feel like the craft's gone and the, the craftsmanship is gone. Because mm. anyone can just hold down that fucking shutter and just move the camera around a little bit. And one of those frames is going to be good. But do you know why that frame is good? Right. And how much, how much have you actually done to make that frame good? And how right. much of it is just you capturing it? Right. And then you're running that line of being like a wildlife photographer at that point. Yeah. Where you're just like, okay, lion's going to jump, so go, shoot, 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 shoot. Actually, shoot. yeah, but like they deserve even more credit than these commercial people. They're fucking <laughs> sitting in the bush for two days waiting. It's very true. It's <laughs> very true. Watching these things yeah. sleep. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> All right. Well, that's cool. So then... Uh, so then you come back, you start working on stuff, and then you uh, open up your own studio. And yeah, so I still was like an assistant for a little while. Um, I remember, like in the beginning of my career, I felt confident in myself, um, and I was really just ready to like get on huge jobs right away. But you actually are not fucking ready. Yeah, that's interesting. Everyone thinks they're ready. They're so not ready. And I remember one of my teachers at Nisop talked to me, and he was like, Heather, his name's Ron Cowie. He's the fucking man. He just he just says whatever the fuck's on his mind, and I appreciate that. And he was like, Heather, you're gonna be nobody till you're 35. <laughs> For, remember that. And I was like, I really appreciate this. I need to slow the fuck down. Yeah. Slow down and just learn. Keep learning. Yeah. So I was um, I was everyone's digital tech, and their first assistant, sometimes the super assistant, where you're both. And then I would be doing the post-processing for everyone and all the retouching. So I learned frontwards and backwards under multiple photographers. And personally, I tried to shoot or work under people who didn't do what I wanted to do. Mm. Hold on, I got a cough. Yeah, do it. <clears throat> because this other thing happens, and I'm seeing it happen with people in my world right now. You're an assistant. You're hungry. We're, we're all hungry, and it's all fair. We all are aware it's there. Don't work for people where you're, you're seeing what they're doing and you think you can do it better. Yeah. Do not. Work, for, work with people who are, like, say you want to be a fashion photographer. Work with product people before you become the fashion photographer just to learn and make sure you're there and supportive as a team member. Be, meanwhile, you don't want to be, like, stewing in your thoughts, like, oh, this sucks. I could do this so much better, blah, blah, blah. You're actually not present. And you're not there for that photographer that's paying you to be there. Yeah. So I purposefully did not work for people I wanted to shoot um, their clients. I wouldn't. That's smart. Yeah. And I still learned a ton. A ton. Like, I worked for a product photographer for a while. Even though I do shoot products now, it's not, like, my thing. But, you know, you want to keep that client happy and shoot the beauty and the products because you know you can do both. Right. And they usually want to bundle all that together. So you have to yeah. figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. And I... I'm good at it. I could do that. Yeah, yeah. But I never worked for anyone who was shooting stuff I wanted to shoot because I think it fucks with your head. And I see it happening to people around me and they got to check themselves. You got to know that there's, you need to have patience with your career and your time is going to come. Mm -hmm. and, and know that the person that's shooting this worked their fucking ass off to get here. Mm -hmm. Don't undermine it. 
don't think you're better than them because you don't know what it actually took to get that job. Right. Yeah. And, and a lot of people don't no. know what it takes to get that stuff. And we'll get into that some more as we continue. Um, let me just wrap up this history here. Then you and I met each other. How do we meet each other? We were doing, a, I was doing a music video and then mm -hmm. you came on to do behind the scenes stuff for our music video. Yeah, who was that band? Uh, Autumn Black. Autumn Black. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that like, sick frozen pond yeah, was, was so snowing. beautiful. Yeah, it was actual real snow. Yeah. Fake snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You came on. I had met you before. Uh, we had like the same. Oh, yeah. We had the same rep, rep. Pia. She was a fucking raddest punk chick. She's so cool. Yeah. And then um, we met there and then you came on and shot some behind the scenes stuff. And I thought it was really great. And I think initially, and I, I talked about this when we just recorded the podcast. But I'm trying <laughs> to make it sound like as good as it was when you first heard it. Um, I remember the first image I saw of you that really stuck out to me, which is the shot of a kid jumping over a fence. Mm -hmm. And I was really uh, inspired. And, and I, I really enjoyed the fact that the angles were chosen correctly. It was a, sort of this low angle with a slightly wide lens. It felt very David Fincher. Um, Huge influence, too, oh, to yeah. me. Oh, yeah. Fucking He's, love his work. And then it had a sense of energy. Like I physically felt like you were leaping over the fence with him. And then part of me was so wrapped up in the story of it mm -hmm. where I'm like, how the fuck are you jumping over a fence and shooting this thing, which with what I assume was like a digital camera to get that shot, right? Yeah. And it was Mamiya 645 shot on Chrome. So it just blows my like mind. Like you better know your exposure or you're failed. Yeah. You have three stops of light. Can't fuck that up. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I saw that shot and uh, knowing what I had heard about you and knowing what I had seen about you and I knew that you were very much an embedded photographer and I knew that this stuff was happening out on the field mm -hmm. and quite obviously you weren't at that point in your career where you could lock off this whole place and set design this thing. So this physically happened. Yeah. We were um, breaking into a jail, like an abandoned jail in L.A., and like wheat pasting cool shit in the LA river that day. I have the, the negs are sick. Like the, sh I'll show you the whole sheet. It's actually downstairs. I still have it. It was one of my favorite LA days. Oh, it's yeah. so cool. And yeah. There's okay. So that is what I love about that photography. And I think that's what is good photography is that not only is it technically pretty because mm -hmm. anybody could shoot a technically pretty shot these days. Really you can mm -hmm. open up the fucking instruction manual, watch a YouTube right. video. And but is there emotion? Is there, is there a story? Purpose? Yeah. Does it pull me in? And it, whether you're doing uh, stills or you're shooting a movie, you're essentially taking this flat 2D surface mm -hmm. and you're lying to the viewer saying that inside here is a world. Mm -hmm. And you're using all these different tricks and techniques to pull that person into essentially a flat fucking surface. Um, and that's what I liked about that shot was that I was engrossed and you know, when you're a shooter, right. you're, you're hard on other people. And especially at that point in my career where I was still younger, it's not that much of an age difference between the two of us. Mm -hmm. And I was younger. And you know, when you're young, you're like, oh, I can do that. And you sort of examine right. oh, that. And we all work. had it. Yeah. You, you, it's just, just check it. Your it's ego. the insecurity. It is total really insecurity. Is. Yeah. Where you're sitting there going, I don't know why they got that gig. I can do that because I have those same skills. Right. What you don't realize, and this goes back to what you were talking about before. As people always say, learn, learn, spend time, practice, learn, practice. And for me, it was like, what the fuck does that mean? Of course I am. Of course, <laughs> of course I'm picking up the camera. Of course I'm shooting. Of course I'm doing all this stuff. What I didn't realize 
is that there's a lot of other parts of being a photographer. Like same thing with directing. You are shooting less than 20% of the time and your career is oh my god all this other stuff mm-hmm. that you have that they really don't teach you about mm-hmm. you know like bidding process concept writing process actually how to flex your own inspiration muscle where mm-hmm. like you'll get a call and I said this on another episode you'll get a call at like one o'clock in the afternoon from a client going I need a treatment by five totally drop everything you're doing yep. forget it and how do be you, the biggest flake in the world to all of your friends. Yep. You have to get this done. And how do you? And come then you up don't get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, and then you go through that whole process of doing it, um, which is interesting. So let's let's get into. Um, oh, let me wrap up that thought. That's why I liked your work. That's what I liked about oh, your thanks. stuff. Thanks. <laughs> I think what I was doing was just, and I know what I was doing. It was just me literally hanging out with my friends, and they all trusted me completely so i'd have my camera and we would out be doing scandalous shit not scandalous <laughs> illegal i guess yeah, but like okay. either way okay. yeah no i mean i'm not i'm not like that i'm not scandalous in that way but um we were just troublemakers but having a fun time so i hung out with a lot of graffiti artists and punk kids and i've been a part of the part of the punk world since i was like 13 so we were just always in these interesting situations and i brought my camera and i just could see and feel natural light and I could anticipate a moment. And I even will say, like, I think I've lost a little bit of that recently because the commercial world just takes over so much of your time with mm-hmm. like the bidding and like yeah. all that and then completing a job. And I'm, and I'm so grateful I'm getting paid to do what I love. But the art that got me here, I have to make, I have to carve out more time for. Yeah, and it's it's like, it's all moments that were real. Yeah, and so how do you do that? How do you find those real moments, commercially too, that feel like that? In that in that strange bubble that is made mm-hmm. for you that you have to work in, mm-hmm. which is fascinating. And then that's an interesting point too. Like the further that you get in this career, you tend to be hired for stuff that you do three or four years prior. Mm-hmm. Because it mm-hmm. takes that long for that shit to get noticed. It mm-hmm. takes that long for you to do it. So when you originally have that con- conception of like, hey, I'm going to jump over fences. I'm going to shoot people jumping over fences. Right. And then you have to go through the process of shooting it and processing it and putting it together and then curating it mm-hmm. and then putting it out there. You're talking like a year. Right. And then it's out there and then you're just sending that around and it's floating in the fucking ethos mm-hmm. for like another year, yeah. another year and a half. <laughs> and then someone randomly calls you up. And meanwhile, you've moved on to three other things. Right. From that jumping right. over fences moment. And then some client calls you up and goes, we love that jumping over the fence shot. Can we do that? Can we be part of that moment? Because they're really not taking into consideration that that's probably something that you did four years ago. No. Years Literally ago. that shot was 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. 12. 12 years ago, actually. But it still holds up. It's fucking cool. Yeah. But I've seen that shot a million times since then, too. I'm not the first person to have done it, but it was just a moment that was in front of me that felt good like yeah. felt like I, my soul said you have to capture this yeah and yeah. i had him do it a couple of times until my soul said like you got it it's real and then when i got back the the next you saw it and, and it felt good like oh okay yeah, yeah there's something inside of you that you know you got the shot <laughs> and then there's days where you're like i didn't feel that once fuck yeah. fuck did i do okay i don't know i don't know i hope yeah i don't even know what they look like but i did you know, but there's, I guess there's also this other level of 
and I think this has to, to me, it's, to me, it's art. I do commercial work, but I also feel like there's just these moments that connect deep down in me where I feel like this is why I'm doing this. So there's days you don't feel it, but you still completed the job and it looks beautiful and everyone's happy. But the, you really just want the days where your soul's like, oh my God, fuck yes. That was yeah. amazing. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, yeah. those days are so wonderful. Yeah. They are so wonderful. You got to give yourself some credit. Some days that it doesn't happen, but everyone's still stoked. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'll like, I'll finish up a gig and I'll go, that was dog shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, like just walk out of there and just go, that was absolute dog shit. And earlier in my career, I would really beat myself up about it. And I just know. Like, I worked really fucking hard on this. Right. And I, I just couldn't pull it together and I couldn't make this stuff happen. But then you see the clients happy and you're like, yep. okay, let it go. Yep. Like you, you learn, you, you'll think about why you felt like it was dog shit. Yep. What's going to happen on the next one that's going to prevent the dog shit. Yep. Yep. For sure. Yeah. And then you're also learning that part, a big part of what our job is, isn't the physical act of taking photographs. Mm hmm like we are a conduit for a client. So like mm -hmm. if a client has an idea and they have a, a set of shoes that they want to sell mm -hmm. and they want to place those shoes in a world that we create. Mm -hmm. So ideally, ideally they hire you because they enjoy your world. Mm -hmm. They know your eye is going to lend to that world. Exactly. Ideally, right. sometimes it's money based why they hire you, but ideally that's it. Mm -hmm. um, and then you just sort of have to understand that your body is going to sort of take over. If you've been shooting up enough subconsciously, I, yeah, I just totally trust do. myself now. You're just going to do it. And then you have to focus on the other thing, which is like client management, mm -hmm. which is like quality control, which on larger gigs, it's delegation, mm -hmm. crew management, mm -hmm. and all these different things that are new mm -hmm. because you go from being such a small solo. One act. person doing everything. Yep. And then you walk onto a set. Right. Like you build your portfolio in the beginning of you shooting your friends, you shooting the beauty that you love, the, the people you love, the actions you love. Yep. And then when you, that's all you, you're the art director, you're the producer, you're everything. So then when you have four people standing over your shoulder, scrutinizing everything coming through now because they're paying for it, you have to learn how to manage that stress and not be affected by it. And I think there's still people, even though they're like long in their career, who still have moments. I mean, I, I've, I recently had a moment where I was just like, we already locked down the shot. Like, don't change it. We're on a ridiculous schedule, please. Mm -hmm. And I apologize to that person. But, and it was quick. I don't, I don't think it lasted on his end either. But I was just like, we've got to go. Let's just fucking do this. You know, like. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you start doing commercial stuff, that is, that takes over everything. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, you are making art, and hopefully you're going to do something that you're really going to love, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, you're selling something. Right. Like, I, I keep my integrity client-wise. I only will work for people I want to create for, and, and I think that's really important for everyone. Otherwise, you're going to lose the love and the art of it mm. if you're just doing anything and everything for money and, like, just cheapening yourself constantly because you've got to still remember, why are you here? And what kind of a mark do you want to make in this world as a shooter? Smart. Yeah. That's smart. That's smart. Um, so this is cool. Like I, the one thing that uh, you and I have always done 
which I enjoy. Um, and a lot, it's something that a lot of photographers don't do and they're afraid to do is actually talk to each other yeah. about stuff. It's um, sad. It is. I, mean, I hate it, how cutthroat it is. Ah, oh, and it's, it's, it's crafted to be so. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it's a lot easier to negotiate if we're not speaking to each other. Mm-hmm. If if I don't understand that you charged eight times the amount of money, and I the client randomly calls me up and mm-hmm. says, "Hey, this is how much money we have," and the last photographer we did, we only paid them this much money. Right. That's a thing. It is totally. It sucks. Like you can't fully trust your clients to ever give out your numbers. Yeah. It's. I've seen it. I'm sure my numbers have gotten out there. And it's a shame. So in that respect, like maybe we all should just have like this slight alliance Mm -hmm. where we all just make sure we're protecting ourselves. So, hey guys, uh, this is a perfect time to do a break and uh, do a little bit of promotional work for the sponsors of this show. Uh, A few different companies that stick by me through the process of this podcast and uh, without them you wouldn't have the show so take a minute and listen to their stuff uh it's all stuff that i use uh first up are my good buddies from puget systems if you are in the market for a new edit machine if you're a photographer and you're looking for a new uh grading touch-up machine uh think about going to pc uh, because the prices are better the machines are more powerful and more importantly they are built into enclosures that can be upgraded simply Uh, we all know how fast hardware changes these days and there's nothing worse than having to upgrade when you're still paying off your last investment Um, go to pugetsystems.com and uh, they make it real easy for you you can actually choose a system based on the software you use Um, very simple actually Uh, I actually have two systems uh, and I've been cutting all of my stuff on a PC for the past five years Um, in the big the last hurdle that we had to overcome was that uh, you couldn't run out ProRes on uh, PC and now you can the guys just sent me an email the other day that you can now run out ProRes through Premiere so there is no difference now, guys. So uh, definitely head over to PugetSystems.com. Check them out. And honestly, if you go on over to uh, follow us on Instagram at in love with the process POD or at Mike Petchy, uh, the dudes from Puget are giving away three systems for free during the Christmas season. Hopefully I'll get this out in time uh, before January. So if you head on over to uh, either at Mike Petchy or at, at In Love With The Process POD, uh, and you'll find the details there. Uh, I think the link in the bio will send you to the correct page to sign up for the contest. Um, do it. It's a smaller company, guys, so your chances are pretty good at winning. So I highly suggest you do so. Also, if you are a young photographer, a young filmmaker, and you're desperately trying to keep up with the newest equipment um, and you're having a hard time doing so because it changes so quick um, I highly suggest that you make a great relationship with your local rental company Um, there are a lot of different rental companies that you can do stuff online but it's better if you're locally renting 
and I'll tell you why. Um, <clears throat> with the company, my favorite company here in town is Rule Boston Camera. They're amazing. They uh, have all the newest stuff in stock. Uh, if you don't know how to use the gear, you can go and be trained on how to use the gear. You can actually get your hands on the same type of cameras that we use to do major motion pictures and learn how to use them and actually get to the point where you can bid out the job with that equipment. Um, and the thing that's really great about renting, renting locally is that not only uh, will these guys give you a great deal, but if your gear shits the bed on set, and this happens all the time, uh, like if your piece of equipment just doesn't seem to work anymore, if it's not recording the right way, if you can't get a lens off an adapter, these guys will send somebody out to fix it for you. And this is something that a lot of rental houses do. Um, and I love the dudes here at Rural Boston Camera here on the East Coast um, because they have never let me down. And I know that my clients can feel safe knowing that their day will wrap out and it won't be gear that uh, stops us. So head on over to rule.com. If you're on the East Coast, definitely check those guys out. And if you're not, if you're on the West Coast, if you're in the mid, mid of the middle of the country, uh, I would highly suggest you find your local rental house and go on down and hang out with those dudes. All right, so enough with the plugs. Let's get right back into it. More with Heather McGrath. Just so you know, I could, like, if I lose a gig because someone comes in like $500 cheaper than me or someone comes in like oh, yeah. a couple hundred bucks cheaper yeah, than I nothing. am, it's nothing. And at that point, that's not why I'm losing the gig. Right. At that point, I'm losing the gig because I'm not right for it. Or it was someone's friend. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or someone knows somebody and that yeah. happens. But that's why you're losing the gig. Mm -hmm. But if you're losing the gig because... Someone is charging literally 16 times less than you. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, this is a great experience mm -hmm. for me. I know a lot of young people that will go do stuff for, for, for the companies that you want to do, to be working for, mm -hmm. for the companies that are supposed to be paying. That's, that's the goal. Right. Like you're headed up to be right. at that point. And there are people that go up to those companies and they're just like, yeah, totally. I'll do this for nothing. And I'll totally do this for the experience. What they don't realize is, A, they're destroying the industry because what are we aiming towards at that right. point? B, they're destroying their reputation with that client because they will always be labeled as the person that does that. Totally. I was actually, in the beginning of my career, told no matter when you start at an agency, the, the number you give out is what they're always going to hire you for and word's going to spread that you worked for this little so they can get you again for this little. And, yeah. and there's no rule book. There's yeah. no one, there's no true place to know like what is fair. We're all going to have to like learn the hard way. Well, what's fair to ourselves? You know, like you, you have overhead no matter what. You have to buy gear. Yep. Photography, you don't rent every single thing. And even there's some jobs where there's no money to do the rental part. Yep. So you have to own your own gear and you have to make sure it's maintained. So. And then there's all that research and development time. Right. So you still need money to research and make your own shoots to create your craft to be better yep. and evolve that and work on lighting scenarios so that the next time you know you know how to light it because you did this test that day. Exactly. And, and or you made something you've never seen before that you can't wait to share because right. everything's been done. Like, don't think you're original, but we can keep working on new iterations of it. Yeah. 
And the only way to do that is to play. Right. And you need to have the money to play. That's it. You're still going to take care of yourself. You're still going to feed yourself. And no one's going to be rich. Like, do not think those days are over. There, there, I'm sure there still are some photographers that are making over a million a year. But back in the day, that was like a lot of photographers. But there's just too many photographers. Yeah. The so we're not. We're not. We're never going to be rich. But we do need to make sure we're taking care of ourselves. And we're freelance. There's no fucking retirement plan someone else is putting in for you. You have to set yourself up for the future. So don't charge fucking $2,000 a day for a goddamn ad campaign that's going to be everywhere. Exactly. 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 And then there's a lot of levels of that. There's a lot of stages where it always blows my mind now when I talk to people, even clients that ask for it, where a lot of clients assume that they own everything that is shot. Oh, they wish. We're not work for hire. That's it. We're not. And that's the difference between, there is a lot of video work for hire, which I get, which I wonder if there should be like some sort of conversation between the two worlds. Yeah. Like, let's figure this out because we need to protect ourselves, period. Yeah. Yeah. Because video just came up a different way. Mm -hmm. And photo has always been. You're an artist. You're an artist. I own all the shots. And like, if you're hiring me to create for you. Exactly. Yeah. And if you get. If you hire me to, to create 12 photos, mm-hmm. 12 finished photos, mm-hmm. that's what you're paying for. Mm-hmm. Good news. I'm a crafty motherfucker. I also shot 120 other photographs that I can provide to you as a contact sheet mm-hmm. and you can purchase later. them additionally mm-hmm. later. And a lot of people also don't realize that that's a, that's a great way to keep your cost down initially too, mm-hmm. is if you go in and if a client comes to you and says, look... You're a first-time person. I only have two grand or I only have three grand to mm-hmm. do something. You go, cool, I'll sell you an image or two images. Right. But, I mean, in the beginning of your career, you don't know. You're just going to hand everything off. You can't do that. And I think a lot of these young kids just keep doing that. So And then so all the companies just keep going for the young talent who just don't even know that they're losing all of their rights when they do that. And what you don't – I'm not going to name any names because no, why, do, why do that? But – I've no companies that will say, proudly say, when we shoot with any photographer, we own everything. No. We own everything on the card. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. And I don't get it because when you hire me, you're hiring me because you're licensing. We haven't got into licensing and period licensing, but you're hiring me to shoot a few images. And so whenever I take a job, and you can say whether you do the same, Whenever I take the job, I go, how many images? What are the final right. images? Shot count. What is the, what is the output? Where is right. it going? Like, how long do you need the rights for them for? Uh, do you want unlimited rights? Do you have the money for that sort of thing? Is it going to change? You ask all these questions when you first take on a job. Because then when they come to you and go, we only have two, $3,000 for you to show up that day, you go, what am I giving them for that? Right. You know, and if you're young enough and you need that loot or if you're desperate enough. Like or if just you're in a matter, position, like money's money. Yeah. But like figure out a way where that, that works for you yep. and also makes them happy. Exactly. Do not hand over the whole fucking drive of Roz. Because half the time you have to ask yourself this, and this is a conversation that I will have with clients mm-hmm. where I'll sit there and go, how much money are you going to make off of my photograph being on this pamphlet. How many enrollments in this school are you going to get based upon this? Right. How many pieces of gear are mm-hmm. you going to sell with this on that billboard? Right. Or in those Facebook ads or on those Instagram ads. And, and you need to do your research when you're working with these clients. Mm-hmm. 
Because some clients, you look at them in their startups and they're not making any money. Right. And I totally have, I have all the love for them. Yep. And and if you understand that and you right. respect that and you still want to do work right. for them, then you get it. Like I still do work for free for friends. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll help you. Just let me know. Yeah. But you have to set your rules in place. Mm-hmm. If you do anything discounted, if you do anything for free, make sure on your invoices you write discounted rate. Oh, yeah. Always. 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 You have to protect yourself because then they're going to give that invoice to someone else. Yep. Just to show you and compare. Yep. Don't trust anyone, which sucks. No. It really fucking sucks. No, no. And then you also have to be cautious too. I learned this from working with a larger company. You'll take photographs for a producer that works at that larger company that may not be the same producer at that company four or five years from now. Right. Whenever this creative changes as new hires. And so if you, all of your photos are sitting on a hard drive backed up at their company, they're going to assume that they own those. They're going to assume that they can do whatever they want mm-hmm. with those. And the next thing you know, the new line is being put out mm-hmm. and your photos are being put mm-hmm. out and you've signed this agreement where you're handing over all the images so you have nothing to stand on. I recently had a good conversation with a, another friend in town for a photo because you never know who you can call to ask these like, her questions for, with, and me and him had a good conversation and he said like, you know, say like I'm working for a pharmaceutical company. I would never hand out full raws to them for this reason. What if they're also selling another drug over here so they can reuse that picture you shot for this drug for this other drug? Yeah, and change, you'll never know. Yeah, change the color of the pill and the raws right, or whatever it is that right, you want to do. And right, and they're getting two for one yep. and you're losing money. And it isn't this game. I feel like you often feel like you're you're breaking the rules somehow, or you're being a a difficult person to work with. Right. When you stand or I up talk to yourself. this person and they give out the raws, and it's like, who is this person? Right. Give me their phone number. Right. Because there's I'm actually no person. rule book yeah. saying who's what are the correct ethics. We're all trying so hard to like make sure we're, we are doing the right thing, but then the people who just are new. They don't know, and I get it. They're hungry. I never gave out raws starting out or negatives. Like, I luckily knew that from the beginning because I had a good mentor. And I feel like these young kids, if they ever just have questions, like, reach out. Yeah. Don't try and fuck up the industry just because you're trying to jump, put your foot in. Yeah. There was mean, actually a photographer in town. Um, I think it was like a legendary story where he, I'm not naming any names or anything, but he was an assistant. And he ran into his photographer he worked for, his client at the grocery store, and said, hey, I'll do this for 20% cheaper than him. Wow. Stole the fucking client. Like, that's, there's, there's so many cutthroat, horrible stories to get their foot in the door. Oh, it's different. I'm going to do it cheaper. Like, that's terrible. Well, but I always feel good knowing, because, you know, Everybody runs into a process where you're being undercut. I always feel good in knowing that in the long run of things, they're labeled as the person that does it. Oh, yeah. Where will always get out. And whether you're they're never... labeled with the client or whether they're mm-hmm. labeled with their peers. Mm-hmm. Um, because wherever you're working, whatever town you're working in, your peers, are, you're going to get to know all your peers. Yeah. You're going to get to know the people that you're bidding against. You're going to get to know all these folks. And... I, and you're all going to work with the same crews. Yeah, exactly. So like. Exactly. Your teams are the be same. Be a stand-up person yeah. always. Yeah. Always. And oh. don't be so self-centered. Like think, think broadly about the whole community and what you're doing for everyone. 
Yeah. And the cheaper these things become, the, the less we're not going to be able to survive. Exactly. And when I, you and I both talk to people that are older than us. Mm-hmm. So like I have a few mentors that are much older than I am and that I see where they're at in their 50s, in their 60s. I see the quality of life that they're living at that age. And for some of these guys, the only reason why they're surviving is because of their licensing and because right. of those image rights that they still have. Because the truth of the matter is when you choose this career path, it isn't going to be, you know, retiring to the fucking Hamptons. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like oh, you're no. going to be living in an artist's loft and you're going to be struggling with your stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how you can survive having a legitimate company doing these methods for more than five years, let alone right. trying to figure out how you're going to make a living when you're fucking crossing the 40 and you're crossing 50. Right. I think everyone just thinking currently and like it's so quick and fast with all this digital turnaround and like, or we'll just shoot on my iPhone. You're like, wow. Okay, great. This is how it's moving. And it is moving that way. Yeah. Like I, I hate, like I sometimes feel like an old, like I've been doing this for so long that I'm like stuck in the mud, but like you do got to be a, a, like ahead of the curve Yeah. and be aware that this is happening. So set yourself up to, I don't know what the words are, but like make sure you're protecting yourself and the whole industry and having these open conversations with the people that are doing that to you. Exactly. Because at the, you're protecting the industry. That's the right. best way to put it. You're actually sitting there going, okay, let's have the foresight and understand how if the big job that we all want right. is getting this stuff for free, how can we compete? Right. And and it sure, you know, if you're shaving off 10% or if you're shaving off 15%, mm-hmm. even that hurts because mm-hmm. you still have your overhead that you have to handle. Mm-hmm. And but it's not like, limitless budgets. Like, there was a point where it was limitless budgets. Yeah, I've never had a limitless budget. And they're not there anymore. I've never had one. I've never had one. I've, so like, how do you do this that's fair for the client and that's fair for you and fair for everyone else around you? Right, right. And we're not trying to scare you guys here. We're actually trying to open this up. And I hope that when you're listening to this at home, this is new to you or this is interesting to you because a lot of people don't talk about this. This is sort of like the dark, dirty little fucking <laughs> secret that exists in our industry right now. Um, and... I've been talking about this for a while and I will go and talk in events about this and talk with other photographers. And I know you do the same thing and people are always sort of like crossing their arms going, Ooh, Oh my God, I can't believe he's saying that. And I can't believe Mm -hmm. she's talking about this with the clients there. Mm -hmm. It's just like, why, when did we become so afraid of protecting ourselves? I don't don't know. The advertising world has a lot of like, just like kissing asses. They'll just bend over backwards and I, I won't. I can't. Yeah. Like, I'm a very nice person. I'm a very fair person. But I will always protect myself and protect everyone else around me. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I, I don't know. I, I think a don't lot of Don't throw everything in for free. Please don't. Please don't. Like, like add value to your work. Mm-hmm. More importantly than anything else, add value to your work. You know, like how much... Here's my big thing. If a client is coming to you, usually as a, as a commercial client, if they're coming to you with a last minute job, it's because they've already gone through the stock 
photo websites mm-hmm. and decided that they couldn't find <laughs> on the stock photo website exactly what they need. This is a big thing. And I talked to a lot of creative directors about mm-hmm. this. They spend a lot of time going through stock photos because mm-hmm. that's usually what their bosses say to do first. Mm-hmm. We don't want to pay for a shoot. We don't want to pay for all that stuff. Go find it stock. Go look, hunt for this. And the problem with stock, as we all know, some of it may be really pretty and really well done, but it's very, it's either super hyper-focused in the wrong direction or it's way too fucking broad mm-hmm. and it doesn't speak to what it is right. that you need. And so I've had a lot of clients come to me going like, this is the kind of stock stuff that we're looking for, but we really like it from this perspective. We really like it from here. Do yourself a favor. Price out that stock photograph. Go mm-hmm. to that website. Price out how much that stock photograph costs. Price out what the licensing, what the licensing purchase is for them. And understand that that's at least where you start. Mm-hmm. At mm-hmm. least where you start. And then yours is more expensive because it's customized, because it's specific and it's specifically built to them. Mm-hmm. And there's more overhead cost involved in creating that shit. Mm-hmm. And think about all the years where you weren't making any money. Yeah. And you sort of have to like recoup, recoup that now that you are making money. Because that was, that was your hard-ass work that got you here, that made your, your style and your vision crafted to what it is now where they're calling you to pay you. So don't charge nothing for that. And like, I feel a little bit weird about saying don't do everything for free. I mean, there's some things I put in, I put in extra. Like, I always go above and beyond the actual oh, yeah. scope. Yeah, yeah. But like, I'm talking in terms of like, like, for instance, like, whatever, web and social. I always, that's always added in, but like, don't give like, um, like say billboards for free for when they're actually just paying for web and social. Yeah. Like, that's what I mean. Like you got to protect yourself. Like if this is going to go in a package, but you actually just shot it for the web and like an Instagram thing, which I shoot stuff for Instagram all the time. I want you to make sure that it has to be a little bit more to go on that package. That package is in your face Yep. and it's printed better. And the, and it's long lasting. It's not like this quick flip through second. And it's probably going to make them money. It's going to make them money. There's yeah. actually like, there's no real like statistics statistics of like, which one's making you the more money. No. We have no idea. No. no one does. And, but, but the more places that it's seen, the more money you should get. So if this is also a window display, but it was originally for Instagram, you should get more money. Mm-hmm. If so, like, but for, for some reason, Instagram sort of always thrown in anyway because it's just like this quick second. Well, I think half of it is because no matter what, the everybody's catching up to it. Mm-hmm. So I think even in the company's department, right. that poor son of a bitch that's working in marketing, they're like, oh, and also take care of Instagram. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it just comes down from the top mm-hmm. where usually the people at the top really don't understand the power of it that mm-hmm. it has. And there is power There's a for sure. Power it's short. It's just, it's always an afterthought. Yeah. Social is always an afterthought mm-hmm. for stuff. And I, that's part of the reason, there's a whole other conversation about ad, ad companies and why they're having trouble right now. And I think that's part of the reason why they're having trouble is that they haven't caught on to that. Um, but, and there's something about the whole digital aspect of stuff just not costing as much. It's, it's so funny how because digital doesn't produce a physical item, mm-hmm. it isn't worth as much. Which is ridiculous because it's the same amount of work. Yeah. This this has been a recent topic with people in my life where it's like um, people thinking they can do Instagram stuff better because it's cheaper. That doesn't make any fucking sense. No. And it's the same amount of work. 
And it, yeah, you can, if you're like shooting on location, you can get more shots than say in a studio. Like I get that. And like, let's, let's go do that. But it's the same amount of work. It's the same amount of prep. It's the same amount of co- like client negotiations about concepting yeah. what we're going to do. What do we actually need? How many shots do we need? You yep. still need to have a quote, yep. you know, because, or you could like give someone some money to go do this Instagram ad and then they come back with like five shots because that's all they could get through that day. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an, it's a, a lot to think about. Mm-hmm. And I think that once you decide that you want to be a photographer and once you decide that you want to be a photographer that gets paid commercially, I think your advice earlier is a smart thing to go. Go assist for somebody. Mm-hmm. Go be a really good fucking assistant mm-hmm. for somebody because then you get to be a fly in the wall while all this shit goes mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. That is the You that learn is the best so much just by being there and watching. Exactly. And if you if you're lucky enough to be in the pre-end of things mm-hmm. and you're in the office and you hear negotiations or Which if you never on, no one ever gets that part, but you know, depends, yeah, depends. Or if you're on set and you're watching how right. someone handles it. Like, handles stress. All of a sudden they're like the clients blowing up at them. Yeah. And watch them either chillfully like coach through that or they lose their own shit. Yep. Yep. I've and prepare that. yourself because someday it's going to happen to you. It happens. It's, it's a very stressful industry. It is. It, it is. It's a, it, it can be very rewarding, but it's really just about finding that that professional zen that mm-hmm. you need to have when you're working with clients. And I think that's confidence. Yeah. Not cockiness. No. Fuck cockiness. Confidence. Yeah. And how do you get confidence? By failing. Experience, right. Yeah. This is important. Like everyone needs to know that failure is good for you. Mm-hmm. Extremely good for you. Yeah. And it could even be beyond the like, it could just be life things that happened that failed. Yeah. Like friendships or relationships, they can fail, but they're positive because you learned from them. Or that's the, that's the Buddhist in me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I mean, th- but then, you know, those life experiences also give you that filter, give you that. Um, I've been here before. That I've lived through this. So yes. when this shit happens on set, I know how to manage it. And it's very much a unique mm-hmm. individual thing they Mm -hmm. haven't created a fucking app Mm -hmm. that recreates life experiences (laughs) they haven't done that yet so i think one good thing that i've learned growing up was just being a part of the hardcore world and being around a lot of violence and insanity that like nothing really phases me and i'm i think that's been a helpful part of my career of just being like and one being a woman there's not too many girls as assistants to begin with so i walked in with all these dudes I had to like instantly prove myself mm. and I, I was just confidence of I can handle shit flying around me, even fists flying around me and I'm still calm, can move that through that like slow motion like because I've been there and then with when real world words are maybe thrown at you, you don't flinch yeah. and you don't show fear and you just get through it. So that's interesting. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, you've always been like a little sister to me. Anyways. Yeah. So like it's never you've always done a really good job at that. Yeah. You know, and it is still kind of a boys business it is. for a lot of it. You know, and oh. you have to sort of make your way in. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a weird thing. I, I, it is weird. I I was actually this was like maybe 10 years ago I was on this talk at Nisop where they had me come in and talk 
with this photographer who I actually have no idea how they even, why he even got that job. Cause he's like the worst photographer in town. <laughs> and he's just literally staring at my boobs the whole time and talking about how women can't pick shit up. And I just threw it right back at him. <laughs> and it was awesome. So I'm fucking strong. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, whatever, don't stare at my boobs. That's not why I'm here. Actually, I heard something Reed Morano was saying something. I think it was either a podcast or she said that she sort of like dressed down in a way. Like she just made sure like, like her like body wasn't fully out there. Like she just wore like a big hoodie and like a hat, you know, just sort of blended in with the guys. And it helped her. It totally I'm helps. fucking in love with Reed Morano. She's so incredible. And I don't know if I ever blended in that way because pretty curvy, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> They're there. And <laughs> but I just made sure I was one of the guys. And I've just, I've just always been one of the guys. Like, you could say like a pronoun for me is dude. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm such a dude, even though I'm a girl. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never... We've never really had... I've never seen you other than Heather. Thanks. You know, which is which is great. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, know I hate weakness. Works. Like I would always like make sure weakness isn't shown. Yeah. Even though weakness is good in other ways, but when you have to like be defensive in that regard because you're the only woman on set, I just yeah. always made sure like that was there was like always that line. No one's gonna cross that with me. Yeah. And our business is so superficial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is. Ver- it's it, terrible. It very much is. And and gender aside, I've heard both sides of the oh, gender yeah. through casting sessions. Totally. People. I hate that part. And I mean, the beauty at, industry. Yeah, it's terrible. But, I mean, that's what it is. It's like, I always compare casting to shopping for couches. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, what shape do I need? What color does it need mm-hmm. to be? How does it fit in the room? It's the same thing. Right. And it's the most miserable part. Like, right. doing casting calls? Ugh. Right. It's the most miserable part. I mean, I think the, I've done 150 people in an afternoon. And you just like after forty, you're like, I, I don't right. know. I don't even know. Right. My voice doesn't work. I don't, right. I don't know what's going on here. And um, I, it's, but you value people in real life. Like you're not like that. And then you value people when you shoot them, mm-hmm. which is an interesting thing too. Because I've said this before. I used to shoot a lot more. I used to shoot photographs a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I think I shot a lot more when I was single. I would shoot a lot more because mm-hmm. I love faces. I love people's faces. I love portraits. And, uh, for a while there, I felt like I needed to honestly, male or female needed to honestly fall in love with. Oh yeah. You have to like feel them and like then truly make the real portrait that was meant for them because you experience them and you, this, this is cool that we're talking about this because this was something with me in the beginning of my career too, where I would just be around someone and then I just would know what picture I'm going to make of them. And it would take a while for some people or people want to work with me so bad. And I just wasn't feeling it. Like I didn't have that vision in a way of like, Oh, this is what I'm meant to make with you. Yeah. You know? So it it is interesting. And then it's harder because you get thrown into the commercial job and you have no time to finesse that model. You have no time to get to know them. It is just clockwork. Like let's get this done. We have a shot count. Not at all. Yeah. And then, I love how personal this job gets and I love how we find souls and mm-hmm. I love how we just look for these souls mm-hmm. and all that stuff that happens. That does something to you. Yeah. Yeah. It changes you and that stuff happens before you shoot. Yep. And when you're just sort of hanging out and you're talking and you're having beers mm-hmm. and you're just, you're just in that space and, and I just did a shoot last week and I, it was a corporate shoot. 
And I had to really try to find that moment to do that, to really find that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, now I can just kind of turn on kind of quick because I know like the quick shortcuts right. to getting to it. Right. But, um, but I think the real power yeah. comes from when you spend time with that yes. person. Because then you get the real stuff. Right. And in a way, it's also like the same thing with people concepting the ad campaigns. So they spent all this time like incubating all these ideas and then they, they're like, okay, these are the kinds of visuals we want for that idea. Yep. But as commercial photographers, it's not your idea. No. It's theirs. You're just, you're just doing it for them. But it's also why you've got to keep doing your personal work yep. that is inspiring and you find your muses. And sometimes muses come and go out of your life. They do. It's very rare that they're like lifelong. But I think you also have to like pay a nod to that concept that you're, I think it was the Greeks I totally read that, um, what's her first name? Gilbert. Oh, fuck, what the fuck is that book? Um, it's a book about creativity. And they say that like the Greeks used to have this concept of like, you're just a vessel for these spirits okay. that come through you, plant the seed. And if you don't actually execute it, it's going to move on to the next person. And that's why you sort of see like someone else recent or close by having that same idea and doing it. And you're like, I had that idea, but I never did it. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, oh, interesting. I know that. I think, I mean, who knows what's real? I have no idea. Yeah. But like, I think it's a cool concept to think and give nod that the inspiration comes and goes. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So fucking make it. Yeah. While it's still like, like fire inside of you, create it. Yeah. And or it's going to go to the next person. Yeah. And make sure that you're, you're establishing our system in which you can recognize those things. Yes, yes. And then also take advantage of those things. Yes, yes. And figure out why, like I had a pattern in my life where I feel like I was the most creative when I was like in very uncomfortable situations. When I was actually like, I think I was like escaping. Hmm. Like I was, there was situations in my life I wasn't like, I couldn't change yet. And I was escaping in my head. So all these ideas, visuals were coming to me and they were ideas coming to me and then when you reflect back on them after you made it and what was happening in your life you're like holy shit all those ideas were actually this oh that makes sense yeah i don't know that maybe that'll be another podcast yeah (laughs) no it's good it's good i mean i think when we talk about these things we have to balance it between the two i Mm -hmm. think that teach a little and respect a little and and love Mm -hmm. a little and celebrate together and i think that that's why these conversations are so wonderful Mm -hmm. and 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 being friends with you is such a wonderful thing oh thank you You same because we have the ability to do this like Mm -hmm. i know we never really bid against each other we never Mm -hmm. really cross paths as far and i don't think it would even be a big deal no i have friends i bid against and we talk about it yeah i'd be like how much you charge how much right yeah right you know yeah there's multiple times where i've bid against people that i know and i'm like you're way better for this so yo yeah same i'm like i'd rather see you do it it. or like someone starts shooting for a client you've been working with for a long time and you actually respect their work so you're like all right that's fine especially if it's different than yours right right like if they do something that is different than yours and they're not just trying to hire Mm -hmm. this person to recreate your work at a discounted Mm -hmm. rate yeah so if it's different than your work and you're like, cool, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the old days of magazine stuff where it's like, all right, you get the July issue. I get the fucking September issue. Right. You know Ooh, everyone I mean? wants a September issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like that, there's something really cool about that and, mm-hmm. and, and to be, 
you know, I used to shoot for the Boston Phoenix before they shut down. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I convinced myself or, or how I convinced them to let me do their high concept stuff, which was fun. Um, but at the time, it was just a gig. At the time, you're just like, okay. So but that taught you so much about convincing people to do your wild exactly. ideas. Exactly. It's amazing. Then, you know, looking back on it, it's just like that that client forced me to do really creative things. Mm-hmm. Like Kristen, who is the... Uh, the editor over there really supported the arts. The art, yeah, yeah. And she really pushed for it. It's a shame they went out of business, but mm-hmm. you, uh, you didn't put them out of business. It's just the world changing. Yeah, you know, all all newspapers are going out. Magazines are going to go out. It's all fucking sad. Yeah, the print is print is really. I don't want print sad. to die. Like my port promos, I don't rely on Instagram to do all of my marketing. Yeah. I actually need to work on that. Anyways. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, it's a new time. Yeah, 2019. It'll yeah. be great. Um, <laughs> I do a lot of like print promos that to me hold up to a graphic designer's eyes. Like, holy shit, this thing's fucking good. Because yeah. I still have that love for tangible print and, and the old processes. And like my things are hand glued together. Like I glue everyone together on my intern, whoever I have. It's me or her. <laughs> because I don't want that to be gone. I, I think there is going to be a resurgence of that if, if everything's disposable and flippable really fast. And yeah. then someone finally sees a print because they haven't seen one in a long time that they're going to really covet that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's something really beautiful about physical, tangible mm-hmm. objects mm-hmm. and then actually being able to hold... Because you get to experience them with other senses other than just your sight, mm-hmm. which is the thing. And you can't just flick your finger and it's uh, gone. Yeah, I mean, I think a, we're all dealing with the fact that people are just inundated with great photography yeah. all day long. Mm-hmm. All day all day Which long. is beautiful that, that people are expressing themselves sure. with it. I I've I, it, I think that's awesome. But it's not even just private. It's, it's it's ads. Right. That's the part I can't do. It's I can't ads. be fake. It's ads. So mm-hmm. there's shitloads and mm-hmm. shitloads of like commercial photography and product photography and we're just inundated with it to the part to the point where we're just exhausted by mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why I think you're seeing a lot of the flip-flop mm-hmm. styles where it's like Oh, this is just me in a fucking Polaroid camera in a room shooting Polaroid stuff. Or this is me in like uh, bullshit lighting and red eyes. You know, Mm -hmm. people are sort of flopping it back because... Yeah, and actually now you're sort of seeing bad lighting as being cool. You're like, really? This? But also maybe that's just us because we've seen so much in our careers. I'm very cynical, guys, if you haven't noticed. (laughs) Part of me, because Gina will show me stuff and she'll be like, look at this fashion stuff. And I'm like... First thing I think of is a they had a shit budget. That's the I first know, thing I, think I know, of, is that they didn't have the money to do this at a high end thing, and then they're just sort of like, "But we're going to embrace it," you know. And I could just hear the entire creative department seeing what their budget is and going, "Okay, I guess," you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And then it just filters down to the photographer, and and there are a lot of people that shoot really good stuff natural and shoot really mm-hmm. good stuff raw. Um, I think because of the, I don't know, I think because of the shrinking budget, we're just seeing a change from like the 90s, the early 2000s where stuff like like Stephen Klein, mm-hmm. like 
like high end, mm-hmm. like like what? Who's the photographer that lights a whole fucking street? What's his name? He does. Oh, like, Greg Crutzen. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff where it's expensive, right? That's expensive. One eight by ten frame costs like two hundred thousand dollars. I'm sure more. Yeah, just for that one frame because it was all movie lighting and real movie crew and they're gorgeous. Yeah, and it took like several days to set up. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're gorgeous, and that's like that's a sense of style that. You're not seeing much of lately because mm-hmm. magazines aren't selling, mm-hmm. you know? So this is something we're, we're aware of, even us as people being pros and seasoned pros or whatever the fuck you want to call us, but, yeah. but it's our shrinking. Yeah. So how do we still protect ourselves? Yeah. Right. And at that point, how much are you giving away? Right. That's the only way you can protect yourself. Right. Is how much are you giving away? And I think you got to remember, and this, this is just for people who are still beginning, like they don't actually need your whole library. No. They really only need like, I don't know what, 20 shots. So don't give them it all. Yeah. Yeah. And just give them a contact sheet. Right. That's it. Mm-hmm. You give them a contact sheet and you go, hey. Or JPEG small enough that they can't actually do anything with them. Yeah. They can figure it out. Yeah. They'll Water. have to call you back because you don't, you can't give the whole fucking thing. I don't know. Yeah. If you watermark them and you put, you put them all in there. Uh, and then, uh, and I think like for people who like have been shooting a lot for social media, I just don't understand why you would just put all that effort, like a regular thing in just for it there. And then a lot of people are shooting with an iPhone. Mm-hmm. So why don't you just have a real photographer also there shooting with a real camera and then that client has an option to then pay a little bit more for it to go to print, for it to become a billboard, to, for it to go in a package. Because there are days where those shoots are fucking gorgeous. Yeah. And they're the same effort. It's the same kind of team. Maybe they don't have to pay a lot in retouching because it's going to be that tiny, but they still might. And, and if you have a real photographer shooting all those things with a real camera, that client has more of an option in the end to then just pay a little bit more and do more with that file. Exactly. Exactly. And from a client standpoint, budgets rotate. Mm -hmm. So they may only have enough for like that first quarter to do this. And the photographers respect that. We're not trying to like bleed everyone dry. So the second quarter rolls around, you guys want to do another campaign, then dip back into the well, and then you don't have to pay for the shoot. You don't have to pay for the production of the shoot. Mm -hmm. You just have to pay licensing Mm -hmm. on individual images. Mm -hmm. So at that point, it's like you have your own stock library. Mm -hmm. And if you're dealing with a good photographer... And you guys both understand that that's what may happen. Mm-hmm. Then that shooter is going to be on set, just grabbing stuff. Mm-hmm. And we also we always want to like make sure that we're we're working through, like we're making relationships with clients that are long term. Yeah. Do you want every client to be new every time? No. no. You want to like talk to that client, make sure after that job you figure out what could have gone better on every end, so that each time it gets more and more polished, more and more polished. I've been very blessed. With this one client where we've been able to do that. That's awesome. It's rare. It's so rare. I'm so aware it's rare. And and they're going through creative changes too. So now it's like, oh, great. Now I'm not getting called just because that one person left. But I'm going to make sure I get in there and we figure out what to do to maintain this relationship. Mm -hmm. And there's something about that long-term working relationship and working out those bugs that is so valuable. For everyone. All the way around. And... And if we all just shared the bugs more, if we all shared the solutions more, 
if we all were more open instead of these egotistical maniacs that the photography world is. I know. The, I know. These competitive cutthroat shit. I mean, there's even times where I'm like, fuck, are you taking my client? Do you know how, how hard I worked for that client? Yeah. And you're a friend? Like, this is fucked up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's part of the game. That's part of part of life as far as, like, connections and stuff go. Um and I don't want to be the two old fucking people that are <laughs> complaining about this shit. But you know what? I, you know what I also don't want though? I don't want to be fucking knocked out. Yeah. I want to true. be, I'm going to be working ahead to make sure I have a long-term career in this. Yeah. And, and then all these folks that are behind us age-wise are going to be right where we are. Oh, totally. It's totally. Just, We're all going to have our fucking glory the train day. goes the same fucking right. way. But I want to make sure that day is a long-term day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I want to be relevant. I've seen people, I've seen a lot of commercial people never continue on their personal path. So then their shit just keeps getting aged in a way. Like they're not current. They're not even keeping up with gear. Yeah. So their shit looks like 10 years ago still. I don't know how they're still getting jobs, but they are. But they're also not getting the jobs that they should be getting money wise. Yeah. So I think, I think it just needs to be like this open platform in a way. Like, I would love to have a fucking community meeting here in my studio and we all talk about it. Can we all like keep ourselves like together as a community instead of like backstabbing one another? Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's possible, but I'm open. <laughs> you should try it. I mean, that's kind of what I'm doing here. Like it's, it is, I enjoy it. I enjoy these talks. I enjoy sitting down with, with folks. I enjoy learning. Mm -hmm. from people and I enjoy sharing with people and I think that that is the only way to get really good mm -hmm. at what it is that you want to do because why not take the experience that you have and the experience I have and put it on top of each other and, right. and make something twice as cool right you know I mean let it be a full team collaboration exactly it doesn't have to be so solo so mm -hmm. so so lonely. i think this is the difference between the video and the photo world too though because the photo world yes you do it all and the video world there's there's delegation you have to have it yeah. and you have respect for that delegation though yeah yeah and I, I to me why can't we find some sort of marriage in a way where we're all looking at each other equally and like so okay fine photo world is solo but we have to all respect one another mm -hmm. within it and make sure we're all taking care of ourselves and not letting like the big company just keep chip away at us. Yeah. 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 And then it just comes down from the top. It comes mm -hmm. down for like, I think a lot of folks just don't understand what goes into creating a good photograph. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of clients just don't understand all of these things that we've talked about mm -hmm. today and like the inspiration and like personal feelings and any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Because at a certain point you are a, if you're building a house, you got to hire the bricklayer. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So like if you're putting And are you going to are you going to negotiate the bricklayer's price? No. <laughs> Your fucking toilet's backed up. You're going to just pay that plumber whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> it's very but, true. But but all the plumbers are also along the same money length. Yeah. So there's, there's not really any shopping around. Yeah, yeah. Well, like why can't we all take care of one another and all try to be more on the same page? But I think this podcast is just sort of like an open conversation past this for yeah. that to be able to happen because we're all learning from our own experiences. And yes, we've had our mentors and we've had our friends we could talk to for estimates, but there's no actual guidebook. 
we have to like create our own level of our our, our own standards community wise. Like yeah. let's think about I'm like assisting when I first started I was getting $300 a day. It's still not that far off from that. And that's what 12 years ago. Yeah. It's fucked up. That is fucked up stylists too. I got to say there are stylists that sometimes like they take the cake. They fucking did it. And and I, they hustled so hard. There's so much work to go So much work and they also still aren't getting paid enough. Yeah. But the whole town would have to like come together. The agencies would have to actually make a fucking contract and we all raise our rates. Yeah. And then the agencies are having Yeah, but the agencies are having trouble right now because the clients aren't paying what the clients used to pay. Right. Right. So it's like how do we find some fair compromise in that respect cuz this, the price of living's going up. Yeah. Like, I couldn't go get a new car right now. I yeah. also just got a mortgage, so. Yeah, but, but still, no, it's true. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Mm-hmm. These are all things to consider. Right. And these are all things to think about um, as you're in this business and as you decide to go into this business. And we're not, I'm not saying things like this to scare you from this business. I'm just trying to, like I said from the beginning, I'm not going to sugarcoat how stuff goes on the show and I think that there's a lot of stuff out there that is uh, fed to us and it's propaganda essentially how amazing everything is oh, yeah. and how much Don't money believe. I make and yeah. oh my god I live this amazing life and you just sort of look at someone's Instagram account and it's oh, completely it's all curated bullshit. and all that kind of stuff it's, it's, all, it's all marketing it's all promotion so like if you're at home and you're feeling down, and as a photographer, you're you're questioning whether or not you should be doing this because you looked at someone else's Instagram account. And, uh, why do they have all these right. jobs, and why do they have all this stuff? It's crap. They're thinking the same fucking thing you are thinking. I think this is the another point I like to tell a lot of people is only compare yourself to yourself. Okay. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. Compare your last job to the, what your next job is going to be. Like you're only as good as the last thing you shot. So if it sucked, do a fucking better one. And don't try to like, don't think because this person over here is getting this shit that you deserve to be better than them. Like just be better for yourself. Just think about what you actually need currently in your life so that you don't try to like live beyond your means or anything. And think about how you're going to survive. Like personally, I bought a lens a year to build up while I was an assistant. And I... I never like jumped into all these lights because I couldn't afford them. Like, just the, the prices on those fucking things. It's insane. Like thirty thousand dollars for a good set of two lights. I feel like a lot of these manufacturers just prey on on the industry. Well, this is of. another reason why our budgets need to be high so that we can afford the things that actually make the job. Yeah, yeah. Because there's there are certain those light certain light. Alien brands. bees are cheap as fuck, but every. Every flash is a different color. Yeah. Yep. Have fun editing that whole batch of images. Yeah. And then at some point you're still spending that loot. You're either spending that loot in the front or, or on time. It in the back. Right. Right. At some point you're spending that loot. Right. And there's like there should be just industry standards of like no one should be working under this amount. And I, I feel like I can't even say a number because this would need to be like a roundtable discussion with everyone. Yeah. What is actually fair. 
So yeah, <laughs> photography such a great business. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. I've, I've been doing this for so long and I've just always been an image maker, whether it was illustration. I don't know what else I would do. Yeah, we were talking about that at lunch. Yeah, like when I was a kid, I wanted to be a director and here I am. Yeah. It's just, it's just always been my path. Yeah, what else would we do? Like if we couldn't do this anymore, what else would we do? I love rocks. I'd be a geologist. <laughs> I don't even, I don't even, I don't even know. I don't even know what I'd fucking do. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't know. I, I'm too old to do anything. Car salesman. Fuck. <laughs> you know, that, that industry, it's a whole other conversation. That industry is going to be gone soon. Whoa. That's weird. Yeah, what? there's all those new apps now. Oh, weird. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a whole other it's a whole other conversation. Yeah, all these Silicon Valley is just slowly ironing out every job that exists with their little apps. I think this is also a part of like making sure your career you're you're thinking ahead. So, like for instance, like you just say the sh- the car salesman, like that's gonna be good. Fuck. Think ahead before you're already, like, you don't have any other skills. Yeah, yeah. Filmmaking I, has been a wonderful thing for me. And I've been in, now in that part for six years. And it's exercising new parts of my brain and creative thinking. And, and I, not that I've, like, I'm, like, the best at photography, but you get to a point of, like, I'm bored. Yeah. Can we do something new? So I've been very grateful that directing and cinematography has come into my life and it's been a great challenge. Yeah. And success, you know. And it makes sense. I mean, it's it's where you started basically mm-hmm. and it's your inspiration. It's all sort of coming to that point. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I also really enjoy that your studio is so wonderfully soundproof. <laughs> Sorry. They're, <laughs> they're building another new condo building in Southie because, oh you know. Oh my There's goodness. not a tree in sight, but we've got every fucking four-story condo. Oh, uh, no. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so, all right. So, I think we're good. Like, we've, we've been rambling for quite some time. I, I hope think that's a good is, show. I don't know. I think we got a lot of really good stuff in there. Um, I would say this. Uh, what would you... What piece of advice... Here's, here's one of those stock questions. What piece of advice would you give... A uh, 20, 21 year old that wants to be a photographer. Shoot what you love. Only shoot what you love. Don't shoot what you see on Instagram. Don't recreate what other people are doing. Shoot what like makes your heart warm. Like the warm and fuzzies. <laughs> shoot what like like to me, adrenaline's always been a major part of my I'm just an aggressive person. Like I've so this, and I chase adrenaline, like I'm, I'm a cyclist, I used to be a skateboarder, and I just, I just love going really fucking fast and nearly dying. I just love it. So a lot of that was implemented in my work in the beginning. We were doing a lot of illegal shit and getting away with it, like that was exciting. And that built a portfolio because it came from a place of love. So I think that's my thing. Don't look at what people are doing. Look at what's inside and like be intro introverted in a way and like just like to me it was always just a vision that would come to me and I think I was meditating without realizing it and just and just like images would pop up and I would just go create them or people would inspire me and I'd be like for some reason I feel like I gotta hang out with you because you're gonna show me something cool and we would create something cool together and luckily word would spread like you can trust Heather she would let you people would let me into their world because I'm not I'm not some narc or anything, you know, like I'm no snitch. Like I'm going to be there for you. 
and we're, we're all creating things together and it's fun and inspiring each other. So create what you love. It's good advice from one of my favorite people. Thanks, Mike. Miss Heather McGrath. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, hopefully you got something good from it. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> and uh, this is my first podcast. So this is God your first, knows. This is your first yeah. ever podcast. Yeah. Ooh, Sorry if I suck. You're great. Sometimes I'm not good at talking at all. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you.